Welcome to the Tax Girl Podcast, your home for tax news, tax info, and tax policy. In each episode, I'll share conversations about taxes, money, and the choices we make. I'm your host, Kelly phillips Herb, Tax Girl. I'm a tax attorney, and I work with taxpayers and tax practitioners like you every day. There's a lot to talk about, so let's get started. Big four accounting firm, PwC, made waves earlier this year when it introduced a work anywhere policy for its 55,000 U.S. employees, allowing them to choose an all virtual work option. The policy is intended to help PwC attract new talent and retain top talent in a competitive market. To talk about what this might mean for the firm and for the industry, we're welcoming back Catherine Kaminsky. Catherine is Vice Chair and Trust Solutions Co-Leader at PwC. In this role, she leads the combined tax and assurance business. Catherine is responsible for the quality of service, excellence in the work performed by partners and staff, developing diverse teams, and driving innovation. Her biggest passion is serving clients. Throughout her career, she has led engagement teams for some of the firm's largest global clients, helping them meet their financial reporting, regulatory, and transformation needs. Previously, Catherine served as the firm's tax leader, where she worked with clients to shape business strategy through an understanding of the impact tax events can have on an organization's goals, as well as the opportunities, policies, changes can present for cross-functional efficiencies. Thank you so much for being here again today. Thanks, Kelly. Thanks for having me again. So I was really excited that you were able to take the time to talk to us today because this is something, this policy is something that I'm hearing about in all sectors right now. So not just tax, but I've heard legal community talking about it because it was a big deal. Obviously, PwC is huge. So this was not the same as, you know, a, a smaller company in my county saying, hey, guys, for the next year, you can work anywhere. This is, you know, it's a leader, not only in the industry, but, you know, arguably in in the world in terms of of size of employees. And so I'm curious as to what led to this policy and what do you think about it? Sure. I think to start with, Kelly, one of the things, and I think we've talked about this before, is you need to be agile in this environment, right? Things are changing and constantly changing. And one of the things that we realized is that we need to really think about and expand on our offerings to retain talent, but also to sustain performance and to deliver to our clients and to keep talent, but also to get new talent, right? Because we're not in every city in the world, in the United States, and there's lots of talent that sits in other places. So when we were thinking about it, we started with like, how can we look to bring in different talent? And then the the idea of having more flexibility in remote was very strong there. But you can't just do that to bring in talent. You have to think about your existing talent. And so we did. We did offer it to all our people. And we gave them a a timeframe to go and look and think about it. And I think when you think about what's happened over the last sort of 19, 20 months, people have been working remotely. So we do see that it can work. And we wanted to offer everyday flexibility because there is a talent war and, you know, you hear about it in different ways, the great resignation, you see the great mobility of people moving to different places. And we wanted to make sure we were very open-minded as to how we thought about things. And that piece of open-mindedness and leaving your bias at the door is really important with the strategy because we have to think about it differently. And on top of that, we have to think about our clients and how do we serve our clients 
And so I think one of the things that's really important to know is that clients are at the center of all of this, keeping, retaining, bringing in new talent, but also giving them the flexibility to have a client that might have some people remote, some people in person, and you know, bringing it all together at the top of the house to show like our people that we can retain and sustain performance. And we needed to adapt in all fairness, Kelly, to make sure we kept our great talent. Right. And when you mentioned clients, one of the things that I'm interested in is I know that early on, and obviously you mentioned about having to be um, agile, I, I appreciate that things are constantly changing. But early on, when people first started going back to the office, there was a push in big law, particularly that was client-led to go back to the office. In fact, there was at least one large client that made it clear that if the law firm that they were working with did not have an office policy, that they would not be using them, which was really interesting to hear on the client side. Have you guys heard any kind of pushback or have clients generally been happy with the decision? I think it's client by client. And look, like I said, clients are at the center. And so we are listening to our clients and making sure that they understand this doesn't mean they're going to have a team that never shows up, right? This is like one of the options on how we serve clients. And so we've had a lot of on discussions with clients about how it's going to work, what it's going to look like. And funny enough, Kelly, like a lot of people are coming back and say, okay, so tactically, tell us how you're going to do this. Is it's making them think differently, right? And we also know that if we really need to, we will have some people that will be in person based on the clients that they have, the type of information they need to get from their clients. Mm -hmm. And we're really putting client at the center of it all. I think that many people are in similar situations to us that understand we have to give flexibility to our people and that will then tie to the client. And I end with very clearly, like our clients are getting served by us every day. And a a slice of the people could be virtual because it's not our whole workforce that's gone virtual. People had the selection choice to do it. And so the other people is now balancing to make sure that we serve our clients with the right teams and that we make sure the teams work together, some being remote and some being virtual. I mean, some being remote and some being being live in person. Sure. And and so how does that work? Like you mentioned, there was a choice. So is there a remote option, an in-person option and a hybrid? And Did people commit for the long term? Like, how did that work practically? Such a great question. So we do have options. So remote was one option. The other one is really a flexible option around a hybrid method where it could be two to three days a week. But remember, depending, you could be a team in for a full week and the next week not in at all, right? Because you have to have that flexibility. And those are the two big choices that people had. And so I would say net-net, nearly close to sort of 80% of our workforce has chosen the hybrid method. And then for the remote side, the one thing we also thought, which is is such a great question, Kelly, is like, we need to have an opportunity to say, okay, how is this working? Mm -hmm. How is it working? So in June, we're going to relook at it again. And we've told our people that just to make sure for both sides, it's working well, and people don't feel like they're completely stuck to an option. So again, it's really around flexibility Mm -hmm. and giving our people that flexibility. And you may not be able to answer this question, but is there a compensation difference? Because that's something that's also come up. And I have kind of a follow-up question to that as well. So it's really geo, like no difference than anything. It's really where your geode is how the compensation works. And so no, there's nothing as it relates to that. And that's what I was going to ask. The follow-up question was going to be, you know, one of the things that's been a hot topic is what if I was working out of New York and now I want to live in rural Mississippi, is there any kind of 
difference in terms of compensation? Because I know this has been a really lively topic on LinkedIn in particular, like, because it's interesting, right? Like you could choose to live somewhere that's cheaper and in theory, get the same pay. And is that fair since typically compensation took into consideration geography or do you know, the other side of the argument, of course, is that I'm doing the same job. So, you know, how does that work in terms of where you're geo? Can you say, well, I want to say that I'm in New York still, but I'm moving somewhere else? For a lot of different reasons, you, you need to tell part of, we have to know where our people are. So it really sure. is geo band, right? And, and, but you could be working on, it's focused really where they live and their clients, again, clients at the center, depending where the clients are based, but also you know how much they want remote versus virtual. You could be working on a different client by making the choice, but it really is geo-based is the way, you know, focused on where the person lives is how we're focusing it. Gotcha. And one of the things that was really interesting, we um, spoke with Paul Schmidt at Baker a while back. And one of the things he had mentioned is that during the pandemic, they still saw revenue growth. And I know that that was also true at PwC. Mm-hmm. One of the things that he mentioned there that I thought was really interesting that I think sometimes gets lost in these discussions, which is why I asked about timing, which is why I was really interested in, you know, if you're revisiting it, is that during the pandemic, when people were working remotely, it was still a different world because kids were, for example, not in school. And you didn't have soccer practice. And there were, you know, there weren't those. And as a parent, I know this firsthand, like there weren't the distractions that have now come back. So there is a difference, I think, in working remotely when everything was closed and working remotely now that life is sort of back to normal in places. Is that something that you guys were concerned about or you're just going to just look at the numbers at the end of the year and say, you know what, it is working or it's not working? I think we're going to look at it at many different things, like financial numbers, one of it, but it's also like, is the flexibility working? So to your point, Kelly, like, are, do people have enough flexibility still with the remote option? Because you still, you know, as you know, as we both know, sitting here, you know, for the last little bit is you, you work pretty hard working remotely, right? Mm-hmm. And now, so, so it's balancing all of that, the people experience itself, the client experience, and then the team and connectivity experience just to make sure that it's all balancing out, that it really, you know, works nicely. I will say, you know, even for the people who are doing hybrid, your question on life restarting is a great one. You know, yet the last two days I was in New York to get to New York, you know, you think about it, a lot of us now start earlier than we did before on a virtual call because we were at home and now you have to get, you got to commute. And so the other thing we talk a lot about is how do you make this all work for everybody in this new environment where we're so used to being on video, seeing each other, sitting, you know, now we're going to have teams, some sit beside each other, some don't. We need to make sure, and we talk about it a lot. And I talk like, leave your bias at the door. Everyone wants to work differently and make sure that it's being inclusive so that the people in the room aren't just getting the takeaways. The people on the phone need to get the takeaways. The people on video need to get the takeaways. And how do you make that an inclusive environment? And that's another thing that we'll make sure and we're very focused on and we'll look at, see how that is working. And so did you guys change your physical offices to accommodate this new normal? And the thing I'm asking is I know that, you know, you mentioned sometimes you'll be sitting next to somebody. I know there's been a lot of frustrations in some places where they're literally sitting next to the person they're on a, maybe a Teams call with, 
But then, as you said, you want to make sure that the folks who are home are still getting the same information. So did you guys do any different technology or or how did you accommodate this? You know, it's clearly a shift. Yeah. So I think two things. One is our offices have always had pretty big spaces to work and work together in, right? We have a lot of open space and we also have a lot of conference room space. And our technology was something that we had invested in already, which really was huge to get us through the pandemic. And so now um, it's really, as we're back in the office, making sure people spend the five minutes before to figure out what room are we going to be in? Does it have the right video conference and giving people that opportunity to make sure they have the right people to help them to set it up. And so we're very focused on that. Like yesterday, the last two days, as I did meetings, honestly, Kelly, we had some people in the room, we had some people on the screen. And before we started, it was like, okay, where's the best spot so everyone could feel like they're seeing each other. It's just taking that little bit of, min- you know, a few minutes at the beginning to mm-hmm. make sure you're thinking about, right? And I do, I will tell you, um, especially during the middle of the day, every now and again, I'll say, can everyone make sure you turn your cameras on so that you're feeling part of it? And if you don't, I get it. But we're trying to get everyone very inclusive to feel part of it. But I, I will say having open office space, lots of conference rooms, good technology in those rooms has been extremely helpful to us, extremely helpful. I know that that's where some of the other firms and companies may be struggling because the the folks who didn't adapt early on in the pandemic, I think, are now trying to catch up and and they're interested to see what you know what the big players are doing. Like, how are you changing the way that you do business on a daily basis in the office? Yeah, and Kelly, I'm not sure if you know this, but the way we work anyway, we have and we had started getting there before pandemic anyway. Where we have a hoteling system, every office you walk into feels the same. So you hotel into your spot and you you have this ability to use the space in a really great way. And people feel like every experience is the same experience. When you sit down, your computer's there, you've got Google Meets, we've got, you know, we've got Teams. And some of the things is just making sure we know what clients are using and how to make it all work. But I, I agree, it's been something, you know, that is is another thing. You need to be agile and you have to be leave your bias at the door that it's okay when I go into an office, I may not have a partner office, I may be sitting in a manager office. Do you know what I mean? I, yeah, or yeah. maybe in a conference room. You just have to be very open-minded that things are just different. They just are. And do you think that your employees are embracing this? Are they wary? Are they like kind of what's the level of enthusiasm? Look, we saw the enthusiasm and when we offered the flexibility was high. People really like having choices and choices are important. And yet I was in New York yesterday. We opened our office on November 1 officially to our new uh, hybrid work model. And and honestly, it was a great, like our the 21st floor, we have a coffee place. So the lineup was long, like they're feeling it. They get both. And then you go into a room and I did a session and some of the team is in, in the room and some of the teams on the screen and we're all making it work. And I think they like it. They like having the option. And now we have to be true to the option. So if it's a flexible like hybrid, you know, we're very much talking to, you know, cause it's not just the partners who lead, right? We have senior managers, managers, directors, making sure we give them the tools to understand how to work in this new environment. And are you seeing increase in interest from outside firms? Yes. We talk about attracting new talent. Is this something that's paying off in that regard? It absolutely has been. We have seen, like we fall, I mean, you you would not be surprised by that. We're accountants. We like numbers. We track Mm -hmm. things. And we're absolutely, (laughs) we have a dashboard. Yes, we're seeing it. And it's exciting because it's actually giving people opportunities in cities that they could, like we just don't have offices, right? Mm -hmm. And so- Yes, we are seeing it. And I think that it is um, making people think differently about working for PwC. And I think that's great. And I think our clients are 
seeing that we're still in and there's lots there. And so I think it's just being agile and making sure that we relook at it. And, and yeah, we're seeing it on both sides, on the retention side and on the recruiting side. And that's interesting to me because of some of your competitors, and I won't name drop, but some of your competitors have insinuated that they would resist this kind of change. Do you think that being a leader in that regard is going to be a game changer down the line? Do you think folks are just hanging back and watching? It's interesting to me, you know, to watch the different levels of of adaptation. But Kelly, my general view, and this is me, not PwC, is that we all have to learn to be agile. The world has changed so much. And so I think just taking the step to offer the flexibility so that our people feel like they have choices and then working through how to make this work, I think is really important. I think that's the world is changing quickly. And so to be able to work with a you know a leadership team and a senior partner who thinks this way, to be have the ability to, to challenge us to be open-minded, but also always focusing on clients, making sure you know you can't just make a decision in a bubble about our people, it's people and clients. I do think it will uh, go a long way. And, and like I said, we also have agility to relook at it in June and see how it's going because no, who knows what June will look like. And, mm-hmm. and I do think, you know, there's certain places I agree with you. You want to be leaders and there's other places you want to be followers. And I'm very proud that we're leaders in this place. It's interesting. You mentioned a couple of times going to New York. Are you seeing any uptick in travel? I know that travel isn't a piece of every employee's experience because it depends on the sector that you're in. Are you an audit or, you know, what are you doing? Yeah. Are you guys seeing an increase in travel and have your travel policies changed as a result of the new model? I think as it relates to travel itself, I would say me personally, as I'm a, you know, a national leader, have I gotten on the road more? Yes. Cause we're officially open and, you know, I need to lead by example and see people in different offices and talk to our people. I think as it relates to overall travel, we, you know, the policies have stayed very consistent, but, you know, safety of our people is first and making sure that travel for business reasons and, and just not, people have to be comfortable, as you know, Kelly, getting on a plane. And, and so our policies haven't changed drastically, but it's just about being, keeping our people, you know, focused on client service and being where they need to be. Right. And you mentioned earlier about the check-ins, just kind of looping back, because this is where I was going with the travel. One of the, I had a really interesting discussion with Nishant Mittal earlier on mm-hmm. the, the show about, um, privacy concerns is, are you guys holding people to, you know, if you say you're going to be in Charleston, you're going to be in Charleston, or do you follow up on where they are? Or do you not care? Like, how does that work? And, and I asked this question for two reasons. One is from a practical business perspective, you know, there is some real advantage to knowing where your people are. And then two, from a, how are you taxing them perspective? you know, you're obviously a tax company, it matters. So are you keeping tabs on employees? Are you, do, is there a check-in requirement? Like, how does that work practically? Because I think that's one of the things, I, I don't think, I know it's one of the questions that I hear most often is, how do you know where your employees are? Do you guys keep tabs or do you care? Or do you do a regular check-in? Like, how does that work? We do ask our people and we asked, you know, as the pandemic was coming, you know, getting slower down, just to check, like we have a system that you have to say where you are, no different than I do. And, and that's what we do. We just ask our people and that, and that's what we did. And so that's, that's how we, we do it. It's, they use PeopleSoft and they go into there. I will say where we're more, you know, focused also, which is I thought where you were going actually is around 
data and privacy. Yes. And so to me, I think we very, very focused on cyber and, you know, focused on our clients' data and, and being at the top end of that. And so we focused on that as well. But those are the two aspects that we look at. And we just asked our people and, and uh, you know, our people put in where they were and that, that's how we follow them through the PeopleSoft. And, and when, you know, you get asked if you move, you put it in also, but we don't do any audits, for example, of where our people are. Gotcha. And, and I do think that's a really, I think that's also just kind of the privacy issue is one that has come up. And I know that um, I'm going to be speaking at the AICPA conference. And that is one of the things that we were talking about in our pre-meeting about remote workforce and, and the privacy concerns from the employer and the employee's perspective. Like, you know, the employer has a real vested interest in knowing where people are for a lot of reasons, not just tax withholding reasons, but also for unemployment compensation reasons or workers' comp reasons. Like there's lots of reasons, liability reasons, why you might want to know where people are. But I also understand the employee not wanting to be mm-hmm. tracked. So it's a, it's a real, it's kind of a, an, an interesting tightrope as it were. Yeah, yeah. And we have to trust our employees and they have to trust us. So when you guys are, I'm, I'm kind of curious again as to, you know, you're talking about folks opting in or not. Is this something that you have a discussion about when people are interviewing. So you mentioned that, you know, folks are very interested, obviously, in coming to work for you. Is this something that you address up front? Do you ask people what their interests are? Or is it a normal employee hire and then they make the uh, decision? Yeah, no, we post jobs as remote jobs so that people okay. have that option so that they know, you know, like we have we have all different types of jobs that you can post for, whether it be the hybrid or in person and, and hybrid slash in person. And then remote and so that people choose when they actually apply so they know what they're applying for. And then, you know, you have that discussion just so it's clear what that means. But people are specifically applying for uh, remote uh, jobs. And you mentioned that clients were actually asking you questions about, like, how can we make this work? Are you also hearing those kinds of questions out in the, the tax industry generally or not necessarily like the other big four, but the folks who are maybe in a smaller or medium-sized firms, are you hearing them talk about what they're doing? Are, are they asking questions about how you are running things? I think we're getting questions from everybody, honestly, Kelly, just like to, because when some of the press came out, obviously some of it went, you know, like PwC is going totally remote, right? Which is <laughs> right. really what we did. So I think there's been some follow-ups and, you know, we have different relationships with so many different people and it's a topic that always comes up. I will say I speak to many, you know, CFOs, CEOs, tax directors. This question, as it links to actually the great resignation, is probably the number one question, not just about us, but more about, you know, what are we seeing and how do you make it work and so many different questions. Um, and I think all of us in general tend to start with like, oh, how can we make, you know, this seems so so weird. How can we make it work? And I think it's just trying to be open minded. And so they just are really interested to see. And, and, you know, and, and I think similar to how I said before, this is about the whole firm. It's not just about the partners. And, and it's about how do we train everyone to think about how do you work this way and do things different so people have the flexibility? Because people have had the flexibility and they liked it, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, when you, even for the people who come in two to three days or one week and one week off is what do you do in those days? And, and then the other thing in terms of connectivity, and I've had this discussion and it's funny, like, you have to be okay that, you know what, there might be a remote person who, who might want to go to a social event to get to know the team. That's okay, right? That's okay. One to three months, you you know, one to three days a, a month, you have the flexibility to come in and maybe it's for a team event, right? And I would say if we said that two years ago, people would be like, wow, that's like, really? 
but that it's okay now, right? Because you also still need them to connect and you want to feel connected. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's really sort of challenging the, the mindset of how we, you know, work every day. That's actually, I guess, what I keep coming back to is that this is such a big change. And I know we joke about it, but to be fair, tax accounting and legal worlds are not usually at the (laughs) forefront of change, right? Like they are traditionally professions that do things a certain way because it's always worked and it's worked well. Obviously, there's going to be some hiccups because that's to be expected. But when you meet back in June, I know you you mentioned that you're not just going to look at numbers, but for long-term planning purposes, are you, are there anything that you're looking for specifically? I mean, obviously client satisfaction is going to be. Yeah. Client satisfaction and also the people experience, right? Like we have to make sure that the people experience is where it needs to be. And I think that's really important, like to make sure um, people have the optionality and that they're feeling they have it. So the people experience will be a big thing that we also look at and the client experience and the overall sort of firm experience to it. And, and the one thing sort of, I will say, like, as I talk to different people and it does, this does, I get feel weird for people, but the one thing that we can't forget about is for the last 19 months, many people have been working remote and it's worked. Mm-hmm. Right. So as weird and different as it is, is we also have to remember that we have good training and we've learned really great lessons. And so that's the other thing we'll look at in June is are we using the lessons we learned properly? And going back to training, when I had you on the program earlier, one of the things we talked about is the importance of mentorship and finding great folks to be your champions and that will help you grow in your careers. One of the things that I heard early on in the pandemic, and I don't know how it's resolving, especially in a mostly remote world, is first years feeling like they're a little bit lost. And we we actually had some virtual happy hours early on in the pandemic and folks showed up just to meet other tax professionals online because mm-hmm. there was this sense that, you know, yeah, you you can learn the tricks of the trade obviously by um, you know, experience, but there is something to be said. You know, I remember being a first year lawyer and you knock on your partner's door and you're like, I can't figure this out. Or you go next door to your colleague's office and you're like, can you look at this again? Because I've looked at this 30 times and I don't see what I'm Mm -hmm. missing. There is like a piece of that that I feel like is missing. And I don't know if it's just, again, because we're used to it or is, is, you know, are you concerned about your younger, newer employees maybe not having that hands-on, somebody looking over their shoulder and saying, you know what, here's an easier way, better way to do this? Yeah, you know, I think one thing I will say that the numbers of our first year associates that chose the the, the fully remote option are very small. And that, that feels right if you think about it, right? Because mm-hmm. they need that experience. But I will also say is that, you know, the best thing about, I think one of the best thing about public accounting is see one, do one, teach one, right? Which is always that mentality and and then you get to coach a team. And I think the one thing through the pandemic that has been incredible is people have done it in so many different ways using technology. So teams have been like doing remote learning, like they one person, they're both on and they spend the whole day just coaching each other. So they've already thought of things differently. And so we're continuing to think about that and do that. And then also using the time you know, for the people who are in maybe only two to three days a week, how do you use that time to really focus not on the tasks, but focus on the coaching? And then in those coaching sessions, bringing in the remote people 
So I think that is something we're always focused on to make sure it's continuing to work and see it. Cause I agree with you. It's really part of our culture mm-hmm. and that would be something to, to, to sort of the people experience, Kelly, that's a big piece of it, right? Are people continuing to learn and are they continuing to be coached, right? Cause coaching and development is a really big responsibility of our firm to our first years. And by the way, to every level, right. And all the way through to partner. Sure. You know, as folks talk about these options, I do think that is one of the things that especially young professionals are struggling with a little bit and not, I'm not speaking to PwC, just generally in the industry. Cause I do think, especially when you have, you know, you do have an, a, an idea and, and I, I've been working a lot enough in this industry too, that you do have this sense that partners are busy, right? Like how do you, again, the nice thing about being in an office sometimes was that you could see if the door was open and that was an indication to you that it was okay to knock and and taking that file. Do you guys have like office hours or specific time set aside where people can say, you know what, I have a problem? Because I do, I can imagine there's reticence to like ping somebody on Teams when you're having a problem because what if they're in a meeting or what if this isn't a good time, especially when you're young, right? Because when you're young, yeah. sometimes you don't want to make waves. So teams have team plans that absolutely address this, right? Address like when are they going to have meetings? When are they going to have coaching sessions? And we do use the technology also in terms of the p- people do ping to your point, right? And you, you leave things in and re- leave things out. And the office, the virtual office hours absolutely exist for our partners, for our team leaders. And so we're trying to use many, many options so that people have so much opportunity to do that because you're right. Like, does everyone feel that comfortable to ping, you know, their partner? I will say what's the most important as you go through it is like, the associates need to be able to have the flexibility to ping the seniors, seniors to man, you know, and we're teaching that at each level to mm-hmm. how do you think about so that we can keep that culture up and also efficiency too, right? Kelly, like to be fair, you don't want people forever spinning their wheels because they had no one to ask the question to. Right. Or waiting for the office hours that are only Thursday at eight o'clock. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. No, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. so it sounds like you guys obviously have put a lot of thought into this. Is there anything that you personally look at and see kind of like down the road that you'd love to see happen differently or something that you're thinking of experimenting with? Because I think kind of the, you know, this was such a big change that obviously my question is, you know, what's next? And it feels like there couldn't be anything, right? Because it's already changed so much. But is is there anything that you're looking at and you're like, it would just be perfect if we could do X and you just haven't gotten there yet or or you're easing into? I would say this is big and this is bold. So I think our focus right now is to make sure that the experience for our people and our clients is, is done well and people got what they asked out of this, right? When we decided to do it, but we're, to your point, we're always thinking sort of the what next, what next. And so, but this one is pretty big for us. So really focusing on the tactical right now and then strategically sort of looking at the overall people experience is something we do all the time. And I think in this changing environment, it's going to be something we continue to do and sort of really challenge ourselves to leave our biases on how this all works at the door and, you know, go in open-minded and sort of looking and talking and seeing what's happening in the world. And I think going back to where I started is, you know, the agility to change quickly is going to be something that we really need to do because who knows, right? We just, we're constantly never know what's next, but making sure we're open-minded. Well, thank you so much for being here today and talking about this. Again, it's, you know, really a game changer in the industry. And I know a lot of people are watching very closely to find out like, how does it work and how can I benefit from it? And and what kind of lessons can we take from it? So I really do appreciate your time today and sharing that with, with our listeners. 
And thanks for having me. And maybe, you know, in July, I'll come back and we'll see how it all worked. I'm inviting myself back, Kelly. <laughs> no, that would be terrific. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. I'd love to know what you thought of this episode. You can send an email with your feedback to podcast at taxgirl.com. And if you liked it, please share. You can find the audio of each episode at taxgirl.com. You can also subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or your favorite listening app so you never miss an episode. Thanks for listening, because paying taxes is painful, but hearing about them shouldn't have to be.